Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Evolving Engineering and Construction Brands Podcast with your host, Matthew Winkelstein. This episode is slightly different than some of the ones we previously recorded. We talk about marketing, we talk about growing brands, but this episode has a heavy focus on leadership and specifically leadership and construction. Our guest this week has a rich history in the construction industry very passionate about leadership and construction, which those of you who know me know that I also share that passion. We talk a lot about that in the beginning, but then we get into how important it is to grow your brand, how he's utilized social media to grow his brand and launch his business. And so this week's guest is Brian Brogan. He is the chief inspiration officer for Build Consulting Services, where they provide leadership training and coaching to construction professionals, but beyond that, they also do engineering professionals. He's an author of Voices for Leadership, a fantastic book that I'll link to the show notes. It's a nice little kind of passage of the day book, in my opinion, something you can get through here in a couple of months. He was previously vice president of field operations for Southeastern Construction and Maintenance. So he really understands where the industry is coming from and how to help train these leaders in today's environment, which we all know is very important in construction. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Brian. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Well, Matthew, it's great to be here on your podcast and show today. I, I call myself the chief inspiration officer, but what I really do is I help teams and individuals improve communication skills and increase efficiencies. Tell everyone my target audience, because of my 28-year career in construction, is the construction industry. I think we have a lot of room for improvement in communication and leadership skills. But hey, I can teach this to anybody that wants to listen. It all applies to different industries. But my focus and my background is construction. So that's where I put my stake in the ground. That's awesome. And I agree with you. Being from construction, I think that is sorely needed. There are some good natural leaders in construction. But now that I've been through some of this executive training, I can't help but think, man, if some of those really talented people in the field had better mentorship and had better training, how much better leaders they would be, how much better the people in the field would be. Our podcast is geared toward engineering and construction. And so I don't think it's much of a leap to say, hey, you're going to be able to service engineering firms just as well. And you have the benefit of understanding where their end product ends up, which is very important. That's so true. In fact, I was speaking with the vice president Jacobs a few weeks ago, and we had that conversation about how the experience relates. And you mentioned it about construction industry needing this. I was having a conversation recently about how we used to fast track jobs. I know they still do, but I remember when that was the thing is you got to fast track this job. You got to find all the fat and take it out. And now that we have this labor shortage and we have a leader shortage in the construction industry, we're going to have to fast track some of these people where we used to spend five to seven years getting them ready for leadership. It's more like two to three years now that we have to get them ready for leadership. So we're going to need people to do that and come alongside us to improve the leadership skills of these fast-tracked leaders. Well said. And I'm actually becoming a veteran of the industry. I've been in the industry for 16 years now. And when I first started in it, there were no 20-somethings that were running crews, let alone whole projects. And now it's not uncommon to see a late 20s person running these. And I can remember when I first started thinking, when I'm in my mid thirties, I really want to be at this position because I just thought when I'm looking all around, that's how long it's going to take. And then the labor shortage started to hit and leaders started to leave and companies had trouble replacing them. And that's the problem that you're talking to and solving. 
before we get into some more of the episode, you're also a podcast host, you're an author, and you also have this fantastic community for leaders. And so people that listen to this episode are also leaders. So why don't you talk about that community? And then if you would talk about how people can get engaged in that community. What happened is on my podcast at episode 69, I interviewed a guy by the name of Larry Levine. He's the best-selling author of Selling from the Heart. And I asked Larry what I asked most of my guests. I asked him the same thing you ask. What can I do to improve the podcast? And who should be my next guest? And Larry said, Brian, I enjoyed the podcast. You're very inquisitive. It flowed nicely. He said, however, if I had one suggestion for you, he said it would be to ask a signature question. And he said, on our podcast, the Selling from the Heart podcast, we ask a sales question, of course. He said, you should ask a leadership question. Now, I'm a simple guy. I like to say, keep things Brian-proof. And so we simply ask, what does leadership and being a leader mean to you? And at episode 70, I began to ask that question of those all my guests. So we're up to episode 155 now. So over 80 people have answered that question on the podcast. And I decided probably after asking it about 30 times that leadership is like DNA. We're all led differently and we all lead differently. And so I decided to invite my podcast guests and then other leaders in the industry to write a book with me called Voices for Leadership, where they could talk about leadership in their own voice. I've got a copy of that here. It's 40 authors we put together, 40 chapters. Somebody called it the Leader's Digest. You can have bite-sized pieces, read a chapter, a few pages, and learn from these expert leaders. And then as a result of that became this community where we interview these authors on a monthly basis. I started off just having the authors part of that group, and some of them suggested we invite other leaders to join us on a monthly call and ask the authors questions. So now we call that the Beyond the Book community. And uh, it's a lot of fun. In fact, we're going to offer those that listen to your podcast two months for free to join this. Come in, ask these leaders questions about their chapter in the book. I'll ask them about four or five questions in a podcast style. And then I open the floor for those that are on the call to ask questions of these leaders. It's almost like your own coaching call on a monthly basis. Your group isn't a random group of leaders either. It's accomplished leaders and not only accomplished leaders, leaders that want to continue to achieve and grow. So a fantastic group that's going to continue to make you better and the group better. That's awesome. I intentionally set up to make it a diverse group so you get a, a diversity of thought. Again, my answer to leadership is not the only one. And I love to hear from these other leaders about their answers and what is tidbits and nuggets on leadership. Awesome. We'll put that information in the show notes. So let's work through a little bit of the episode here. So how'd you get started? I tell everyone, Matthew, that I was looking for a job after barely graduating high school and I found a very rewarding career in construction. And it has dumbfounded me where my career has taken me. I've been on launch pads at NASA. I've been at all the theme parks here in Florida doing work. And I've been at a lot of power plants across the country. And just, it's amazing to me when I look back and realize this 17-year-old kid that barely graduated high school made this wonderful discovery of the construction industry. What sparked your passion to just get into it? Was it random or was it like, hey, you know what? I'm not really liking the school thing. I want to get into construction. Yeah. So I never had any intentions of going to college. I struggled with school, didn't like it. As a kid, I grew up in a neighborhood of where there were, our house was the eighth home being built in this subdivision. And we climbed in the rafters of the houses. That was our park. That was our playpen was to climb in the rafters of the houses while they were being built. So just, I've always had an allegiance to construction, loved it, thought of it. And then when I just needed a job, that was the first opportunity offered by a friend of a family. Awesome. And so you worked your way up through construction and then fast forward to about a year ago, 
you ventured out on your own. Why don't you tell us what spurred that and what you're doing today? Awesome, Matthew. Thanks for the opportunity to share that because it, it's just the way it happened. I couldn't have planned it, but I spent 28 years in the construction industry, became a vice president of the company I worked for, multi-million dollar, multi-state company. And about 10 years ago, I got invited to volunteer for the ACE Mentor Program. That's architectural construction and engineering. And I said, you know what? As much as I struggled in school, I'd love to go back and help young people, students realize the importance. Because the first time I ever rolled out a set of plans and saw there were perimeters and areas and square footages and said, man, I should have paid attention in high school. As your career grows, now you got to write a bid letter. So English and grammar is very important. And then the first time you got to get in front of a group of owners and talk to them about you doing a project for them, doing a presentation. I just realized maybe I didn't go to college, but I am learning these things on the job. And I can go back and tell students, hey, pay attention to this stuff. You're going to need it later in life. I tell people there's nothing bad on educators, but a lot of educators, they start in elementary school, high school, and they go to college and they come back and teach. So they have no real world experience as far as industry is concerned. That's not a problem because thankfully they give their lives to education. But we as partners in industry need to come together and tell these young people about why you apply what you're learning to life. I love that. And I have a similar journey. So I was extremely poor student. I was fortunate and unfortunate enough to be somewhat intelligent. And so I could get a passing grade through tests, but I didn't actually learn anything. I learned how to pass tests. And then it was when I got into the real world that I understood, oh, this is how all this knowledge is applied. And I say it's a blessing and a curse because I think, man, I wasted so much time not learning this information that was available. But I also say it's a blessing because I have been a continual learner and I've learned how to learn efficiently. And I've learned how to look at things and say, what do I need to learn about this to be successful? Unfortunately, that meant me going back and learning things I should have already known. But in my mid-30s, I've moved past a lot of that. And now I'm learning things that people that have their master's, they stop learning and they don't have that. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. How do you help professionals that are were like you? How do you help them learn the difficult subject of leadership? Yeah, as I was volunteering for this organization, I realized I love building people as much as I love building buildings. I love building teams as much as I love building buildings. And so I thought, what if I could get paid to do this? And so we launched our career with the John Maxwell team. So I became a John Maxwell coach, trainer, and speaker. I went through that training process. We started our podcast before we ever left our business. So I've been side hustling for the last three years. And I learned that the number one problem in business, and it's been this way for decades, is communication. Matthew, how many times have you heard there's a breakdown in communication? Uh a lot. <laughs> yeah. And it continues to happen. So if we can teach people to be better communicators and teach people to recognize other people's perspectives when they're working on a team, build that bridge of trust that we read about in the book, Speed of Trust, then we can help teams just be better. And if you can just get a notch better, move the needle one or two degrees and be better than your competition, you're going to be more efficient. You're going to work together and be a better company and you're going to present better when the opportunities come to you. So just moving that needle a few degrees can just make a huge difference in an organization. I think leadership does come naturally to a certain degree, but to your point about the communication, I can remember being a young leader and communicating and not understanding why people weren't understanding what I was communicating. And when I look back on those frustrations, I should have been frustrated with myself because I wasn't communicating clearly enough for people to understand and I wasn't meeting people where they are. And so we 
had talked a little bit earlier about this gin talent within the construction industry. And so it's even more prevalent. And I'm fortunate enough to mentor some young people and fantastic, bright individuals, but their communication skills are not as strong as people that I grew up with. And that could be from social media, texting, whatever you want to blame it on. They're not as willing to be direct and they're not as good at receiving feedback that doesn't reinforce things they already believe. The industry continues to move forward and continues to grow. We really need to learn how to develop these people. And that's what I love about what you're doing. That's what I love about your passion. I listen to your podcast and just love the episodes we were talking about practical things from a leadership standpoint. Takeaways too. We talked about you had a guest on that was the CEO of Waffle House. He was fantastic. And he also has a book and he talks about the practical guide not just philosophy, not just pontificating, which I like those things too, but hey, here's how you actually do it. And so I think the the missing thing when you put some people through training is training's good, but then you're right back to the project. And so what I like about you is you stay involved and you have a program to stay involved and really help not only train, but mentor people. 100%. The mentorship is so important. Grabbing someone along the shoulder and saying, hey, I've been here, I've been where you're at. Let me tell you a few things to take the rough edges off. But also to reach forward and have someone mentoring you, I call it the chain of mentorship where I've got somebody's mentoring me and I'm mentoring someone. It's a great place to be. And it's something that's really missing at, at times. Now, today with the generational problem, the uh, millennials and the X generation, if we can bridge that divide and build some trust and have people understand, you know what? I may not be tech savvy, but this young person is, and they may not be skill savvy, but I am. Well, let's trade and balance each other out. Yes. And I think that brings you to a place of understanding too. I know that you believe this because I heard it on one of your podcast episodes. Every generation has their things that are different. The world that they inherit is different than the world that we inherited. It's not that they are inherently bad or that the way that they do things are bad. It's just different than the way we did things. The negative things I see out of some construction companies and some construction leaders is constantly bashing the younger generation. They're lazy. They don't want to do this work. I disagree with that. I think there are people that want to do the work. We're not doing a good enough job of communicating what those opportunities are really like. If all you talk about is the negative parts of the job, yeah, of course I don't want to do that. But if you talk about hey, you feel fulfilled when you look at something that you actually built. You're out there moving your body and using your mind all day. Hey, you know what? To a certain degree, you get to leave this job with the tools when you leave the project. Those are things that offer a different style of life than some of these white collar jobs that don't pay nearly as well and you're bringing home stress and you're bringing home your phone. And I think if we spent more time talking about that and understanding what this generation is about and recognizing they have more opportunities than we did, I think we'll do a much better job of attracting more people into the industry. Matthew, I wholeheartedly agree with that. When I'm with leaders in the construction industry, I encourage them not to say, I don't want my kid to have to do this. How many times have you heard a construction professional say, I don't want my kid to have to do this. And so they put their kids through school, which is great. But I have to remind them what paid for the schooling, what, what paid for the house they live in, what paid for all these amenities that your child has. It's your construction job. It's what you had as a career. And don't just discard it and say they need to be something else. They also can consider construction as a truly rewarding career that can propel them in investments and becoming a better person and having a great retirement when they decide to do that. Absolutely. That's another passion of mine because uh, I don't talk about this much, but my first really career into leadership was around safety, environmental health and safety on projects. And the reason why I was so passionate about it was because I felt like it was a joke job. 
where people didn't take it real seriously. We have a very serious mission here to protect the employees in the project. And if you do your job well, you can also make the job more efficient. And so I was constantly pushing and pulling with leadership about that. Hey, we can make this a better place to work by the way that we do things. You know, in some instances, you know what? It may take a little longer and that's just a reality. But the more efficient you get and the better you make it for employees and the more you can eliminate the fear of what some people are doing, you can make them more efficient too. I get very frustrated when I hear people say that because I think you're part of the problem. If this isn't a place that you want to have your son or daughter, then you have to ask yourself because you're in a leadership position. What can I do to change that? Not say I'm not going to have my kids go in this. How do we make this an environment where we aren't wearing out everyone's bodies, where we're not abusing people, we're throwing them away as commodities, we're treating them like the skilled craftspeople they are? Matthew, that is great. And it just exudes leadership that you're concerned about someone's safety, their health, and their well-being. We can't do the jobs without healthy employees. And that's part of the reason why I started the Build Your Success podcast and the Build Consulting Services. I want to build people up. When I first got in this industry, they talked about tearing people up one side and down the other. They also talked about, we need you from the shoulders down. Yeah. How many times have we heard that? Really think about that. So now we're going to send an employee out that's been torn up one side and down the other. How are they going to produce for you? How are they going to work for you? And if you really want employees that are shoulders down, they're not going to be thinking. They're not going to be thinking about safety. They're not going to be thinking about efficiency. They're just going to be a robot that you program with your negative thoughts and ideas that they're just going to do exactly what they're told to do. And we're going to need more thought than that to make this industry better. And we have it. These young people, they want a purpose. And when I came to business, I wanted a job. These young people want a purpose. And there is a purpose in what we're doing. When you're building some amazing buildings and structures and things, I talked about being on a launch pad. When you see a rocket go off and say, I was on that launch pad working on it. It's an amazing purpose. Absolutely. Name your cause, right? If you care about the environmental situation, there's multiple areas that construction is going to solve that. When you talk about water treatment of forever chemicals, when you talk about making some of our fuel sources more renewable, the ultimate renewable resources, nuclear power plants, those are a massive construction undertaking. If you've ever been in one of those projects, it's it's a city. It's a city building. But there's so many other opportunities. There On job sites, there are accountants, schedulers, safety people. There's a lot of white collar work on a construction job site. So don't discount it as just digging ditches. There's more to it that I tell parents when I'm speaking to them about a career, I'm like, listen, when we dig ditches today, we do it with heavy equipment and an equipment operator makes a whole lot of money. Yep. And saves their body too. All right. So communication is important to you. We both acknowledge how important it is. So when did you first become interested in utilizing social media to communicate your message and grow your brand? Wow. So the seed of most of this stuff we're talking about is that ACE mentor program. So when I first got involved on LinkedIn, that's the only social platform I currently use frequently. I said to myself, I'm only going to connect with people I know, or I could do business with. That was my limiting belief on the social media piece, my self-limiting. And when I needed mentors for the high school to join me and volunteer in the program, I started posting, hey, I need mentors. I'm looking for a few good mentors. And I got some great feedback and response. People loved to see what we were doing in the classroom. And that just started my little journey and started getting a few followers and things like that. So the more and more I engaged, the more and more I enjoyed it. And today I have 10,000 followers. I enjoy posting every day to give them something from my heart that they're going to enjoy. And I've just been astounded at the response. And I today it's just Brian Brogen and I'll have people in the supermarket. Hey, I know you from LinkedIn. I'm like, okay, great. Nice to meet you. (laughs) 
That is fantastic. And so had some early success on social media, LinkedIn, saw the power of it, saw the power of being able to communicate, connect people. What prompted you to launch a podcast? So I have a mentor. We talk about the value of mentors. This guy runs the Blue Collar Leadership brand. He's actually trademarked the brand, Blue Collar Leadership. His name's Max Story. And so I reached out to Mac on LinkedIn and said, we're in the same business. If you ever want to collaborate, he came back with a really short and curt, I don't collaborate with anybody. I'm building my own brand. Uh, Thank you for your time. And I was like, oh, okay. And I think I said, thank you for your time and appreciate your prompt response. Try to try to give my Southern hospitality to old Mac. And a few hours later, he said, hey, if you ever want to give me a call, we can just have a conversation. So I immediately picked up the phone and gave Mac a call. And he did tell me the whole story why he doesn't collaborate. He said, I'm trying to build my own brand. I just don't want to create confusion across other brands. He said, but let me tell you what you need to do. You need to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know how to start a podcast. And Max said, you do X, Y, and Z and one, two, and three. And he took away my excuse to start a podcast. I believe that conversation was on a Thursday. And by that following week on Tuesday, I did two things. First, I started a podcast. And secondly, I committed to 52 weeks, whether anyone listened to me or not. And I think that was probably the the better decision was the committing that I'm going to do it 52 weeks, whether anybody listens to me or not. I feel like I gained traction along episode 20 and just led to some amazing relationships. People I've spoke with led to the book. Just one thing, you keep making small steps. And I had this epiphany the other day. Everybody's waiting on the next big thing. The next big thing is made up a lot of small parts. Fantastic. And what I love about that, if I'm a leader inside of a construction organization and I want to grow more leaders, I want them to act like that. It's one of the biggest things I know other leaders that are listening to this, they get frustrated with it's people need permission every step of the way. And it's no, you just got to start. You got to learn. You got to get going. And if more people acted with that initiative inside, organizations would continue to develop. So another fantastic thing that you bring to leadership training that I don't think everyone thinks about all the time, but is, is critically important, especially in today's day. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, in my workshops now, I do this. What does leadership mean to you? In fact, I did it this morning with a city utility and said, hey, what does leadership mean to you? And I have the, they pop out one word or two word answers. We write it on a board and we kind of find leadership for that group. And again, it's different for one group than it is for another. And so they have different preferences on what their leadership styles are and how they're led. And it's just a lot of fun to get people engaged and excited about having the traits of a leader. Absolutely. And so you're familiar with brands. We've used that word a couple of times. And I think sometimes in construction, it's a throwaway word because they think brands are for somebody else. What does having a strong brand mean in construction to you? Brand is your reputation. It's not just this logo or that you're posting on social media, that you have a great website. You need to have those things. You need to have those things on the peripheral and on the surface. But when people dig deeper than that, they realize who you are. Do you meet the schedules? Do you do the things you say you're going to do? Do you have a safety culture? All those things are part of your brand. And I think people need to understand brand is a whole lot deeper than social media and advertising and those type of things. It's the whole of a corporation or an individual. Absolutely. And you've done a good job of growing yours. What do you think some benefits construction companies could realize if they grew a brand, not only in attracting customers, but also in attracting talent? I've found out that today's engineer, today's end user, they're going to go find your brand through social media proof. They want proof that you are doing what you say you're doing. So if that's a construction company, that means you have projects that you're highlighting. And don't be this 
company that has the scarcity mindset. I can't show what I'm doing because somebody else will do it. Listen, most people know you're working where your competitors know where you're working. They have the same clients. Don't let that be a hindrance for you to share what your amazing team is doing. You can be the first to market, if you will, if you're the only one posting on social media. They don't know everybody else is working there too. They just see that you're working there. So use that as the opportunity to highlight what you're doing. Absolutely. And tell people the, when you think of what a power of brand is, it's when someone needs your services, whether it's a job or whether it's an opportunity, who do they think of and why? And if you don't have a compelling reason that they think of you, they think of somebody else. I think you would agree. This is a relationship business. And some people take that a negative way, thinking it's all about friends and buddies. And that's not it. These are high dollar high consequence, high trust environments. And if you can't establish a relationship with the person you're working with, you're less likely to work with them. And that's a reality for anyone. To younger people, especially, it's they have a purpose. They want to know that brand is what you say it is. And social media and using digital channels is another way for you to reach people where they are and doesn't attract everyone right away. But when they have that need, who do they think of and why? And if you don't have a compelling reason it's you, it's probably not. That is a fact, Matthew. And you talked about these major projects and the major trust you have to develop. It's not going to happen overnight. The industry you and I worked in, you're talking about billion dollar projects. You're not just going to walk in and say, hey, trust me to do this project with no resume, no background, history to prove that you've been successful in that market. Absolutely. So what's your favorite brand? And tell us why. Oh, wow. I love to drink Dr. Pepper. And I think they have a really good brand of that 1024 that's been their lasting brand. And give me what the doctor ordered. How simple is that? I think that's a great example of a great brand. Absolutely. They've gained your allegiance, I'm sure, from their image and consistency, right? Because it's something that you consume. So if they change the formula or it, every other one or every 10th one wasn't very good, I don't think you would have that allegiance. It's funny. Most of my family drinks Dr. Pepper. And if they offer some Mr. Pib, we turn our nose up to it. <laughs> <laughs> Not that any of the Pib fans out there, it doesn't taste the same. I listen, I agree. I don't drink as much. We call it pop in Ohio, as much pop as I used to. But when I was a kid, I remember when Burger King switched from Dr. Pepper to Mr. Pib and it was like, what the heck is going on here? I don't like Burger King as much anymore. And there you have it, a brand. If you think about that, they affiliated themselves with one brand. They switched to another one. It changed people's perception of the company. I was a kid, but it changed where we were lobbying mom to go. Didn't want to go there as much anymore. And there's nothing that works more than a group of kids giving their impression to mom on, on where to go. They can be very vocal and children are very brand loyal. We were talking before, I have two young children and I used to think that was kind of garbage. Like these little kids are going to dictate what happens. And now I have these two beautiful children and it's okay. What do you want? As long as it's not going to hurt you. It's, you know what? I don't actually care that much. So we'll do what you want to do, son. So Brian really appreciate you taking the time to be on here. We were always wrap up with what's your best routine or habit. So as I'm going through this, if you want to think about that, but want to encourage everyone, we'll put everything in the show notes, check out your book, check out your community, check out the podcast. Another thing I like about, you mentioned it in the book is I know that I'm a page of the day reader. And so I have these books where you read a passage of the day. And I was thinking as you were talking about those 40 leadership passages, it's a great opportunity for people. You can get that done in a month or a little more than a month and you have all this knowledge. So check it out. And Brian, why don't you wrap us up with your best routine or habit? Yeah. So I'm not a very habitual person. I kind of am a nonconformist when it comes to routine. However, I do read every day. Every day I'm reading something. I'm gaining information and knowledge from other people. So that, that's one tidbit that I do. 
And then this habit of posting regularly on LinkedIn has really helped me grow my brand. So I would encourage people to figure out a way to get your information out there. Be transparent, be honest, or be transparent with the way things are going. And you're going to make mistakes. I've got recorded episodes where I said dumb things. I've got things I typed out that misspelled. Just live with it and go on and move with the punches. People are going to know your brand. If they followed you very long, you make a mistake, they're going to forgive you for it. Absolutely. I like that. So you're not consistent with a ton of things because you like to be abnormal, but the things you are, you're ultra consistent with. If you've read James Clear book, that 0.10% better every day, and that has a compounding effect. And I think there's something to that. If you're trying to be consistent with everything, consistency becomes a lot harder. But if you choose the most important things, you identified reading because you learned something and then posting because it's getting your message out there and growing your brand, that's had the compounding effect for you. That's awesome. Absolutely. Thanks for that. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.